In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Back in 2005, during my first week as an undergraduate student at UVA, I was invited to play a round of disc golf, or frisbee golf, on grounds with some upperclassmen. And on the second hole, I somehow broke a window in the rotunda. Second story, second window on the left. I was mortified. But when showing up the next morning to turn myself in, the window had already been fixed. Unsure of what to do, I did nothing. and Figured it wasn't a big deal. Nearly 20 years after the incident, Maddie and I recently took our boys to the lawn and I still felt a tinge of guilt as I kicked a soccer ball around carefully. I thought, wouldn't it be nice to enjoy the rotunda's splendor in good conscience? So later that day, I emailed President Jim Ryan made my confession because after all that time I still felt the need to come clean. Now we'll come back to that story. But do you feel that way about anything? Is there something you'd like to turn yourself in for? Is there a conversation you've been putting off for the past 20 years? Any skeletons in your closet you'd like to clean out? before they grow into those 12-foot monstrosities that people put on their lawns now for Halloween? Well, this is something that our reading from the Gospel of Mark addresses today. Let's set the scene. John the Baptist is baptizing throngs of people in the Jordan River. Mark says people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him. What's all the fuss about? It says, John proclaimed a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, in first century Judaism, cleansing rituals were a major factor in worship. If you touched something that was unclean, if you contracted a disease, even if you were just going to worship at the temple, you would have to perform certain cleansing rituals to make yourself presentable to God. After all, cleanliness is next to godliness. These days, we seem even more consumed with self-sanitation. Many of us are currently undergoing some kind of post-holiday cleanse. After gorging ourselves on sugar and alcohol, we need to be purified. But even on a practical level, to be a human being is to be perpetually in need of cleaning and being clean. Whether it's your house, your clothes, your children, your car, your body, your teeth, your fridge, your iCloud storage, I could go on. I could feel everyone's blood pressure rising <laughs> as the list gets longer. It's a never-ending struggle and ultimately a losing battle. The songwriter Chuck Prophet 
has a song called Soap and Water, in which he says, Soap and water, my oldest friends. Nobody knows quite where we've been. You see, soap and water wash away the evidence of where you've been and what you've been doing. Soap and water make you presentable. And I don't need to belabor the moral implications of cleanliness, even the phrase to come clean about something, or when addicts say they got clean, implies that cleanliness is a matter of the heart. It's worth noting that there is a difference between being tidy and being clean. I was first introduced to cleanliness when I first got married. (laughs) Before that, I was very orderly. Shoes were put away, magazines stacked on top of each other. Everything looked great, as long as you didn't look too closely at the thin layer of dust everywhere. It's disgusting. It was soon brought to my attention that while I was tidy, I was a far cry from clean. Perhaps this is what made John the Baptist's proclamation so appealing. He was not afraid to call the religious leaders out on the distinction between being tidy and being clean. In those days, the Jewish leaders declared that only Gentiles had to be baptized because they were considered unclean. John gave no special treatment. According to John the Baptist, everyone needed a baptism of repentance. And on multiple occasions, he confronted the Jewish leaders, saying, you may look like you have it all together. You might be tidy, but you're not clean. And apparently this message hit home. Both Jew and Gentile came out of the woodwork to sign up for a baptism of repentance. Of course, repentance is on its own. It's not enough, is it? Just like making yourself presentable, repentance falls into the same trap of enoughness. I mean, can you ever be sorry enough? Is there someone in your life who withholds forgiveness until there has been sufficient groveling? Maybe you're that person. Chances are you've been on both sides of the gun. Into these murky waters, who should come along but Jesus? He takes his place at the back of the line and waits his turn among the sinners And when he gets to the front, he asks John to do the honors. And as John lifts him out of the water, it says he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. That moment fulfilled a 700-year-old prophecy from Isaiah. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down to make your name known. Well, God does exactly that. A voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. If epiphany means a revealing, on this epiphany Sunday, in that same passage from Isaiah, it says, how then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts 
are like filthy rags to be baptized with fire on the other hand it cleanses not only the surface but the air substance when a metal is completely melted down the dross your career your marital status your criminal record your triumphs your trip ups they're all consumed by the fire of god and once the fire has done its work god is able to look at you and say you are my beloved son beloved daughter in you i am well pleased to be of course the gospel proclaims more than a baptism of repentance it proclaims that jesus the unrighteous where john the baptist preached what we need to do to be made presentable to god the gospel proclaims that christ himself presents us to god pure and blameless as christians we are washed in the make no mistake blood is messy it's impossible to get out but you are covered in it as first john story true story of her grandfather antonio who grew up in a hotel he got to know the maids and the repairmen who worked there he got to know the outdoorsmen and Antonio listened to stories spoken in all kinds of languages, English, French. And outside of the hotel, in the woods, he saw signs of the elusive wild aging fire swept through the surrounding forest. The wind pushed all the people. Miners, cooks, Antonio's mother and Antonio went into the lake. There was even a baby stood in the water up to their knees their waists their shoulders and stared as the fire came closer and closer and as the forest burned around them the group of people saw something astonishing out from the woods and into the lake came the elusive wildlife wolves stood beside deer rabbits and people and moose stood close enough to touch as the smoke darkened the sky so much that no one could tell if it was day or night and when the flames finally died down and the sky began to clear every creature returned from where they each had come That's what it looks like to be baptized in the name of Jesus. As the fire of God's righteous judgment comes for you, there is one place to hide. The water of baptism. In it you are safe from judgment because you are buried with Christ. By it you are saved from death. by sharing in his resurrection and through it you are reborn by the holy spirit and made clean
Three days ago, I got a reply from President Jim Ryan. Hi, Sam. Please consider yourself absolved and enjoy the lawn with a clear conscience. Also, if one of your sons chooses UVA, please let us know just in case we need to reinforce the windows. (laughs) This is God's word to you today. In Christ, please consider yourself absolved and enjoy your life with a clear conscience. Amen.